like I've always said, we, we came in and, and used those eight games and obviously we lost some, we won some, we, we played well in some, we, we played bad in some. We wanted to be ready for, for the playoffs and uh, I think in game one we we did a lot of good things um, uh, as well and went to overtime, obviously lost it in, in overtime and went and watched the film and, and made some adjustments. I think uh, we watched a bit of the, the Dallas game last night. Like you, uh, I think if you come in with the, the right mindset and, and obviously I don't know how much the kind of crowd and, and home and away plays into it, but yeah, it's just everyone's just playing, playing hard and, and obviously some, some really good games. So it's um, working out perfectly for the NBA. <laughs> DJ and PK brought to you by WCF Insurance, reminding you to be careful out there. That's Joe Ingles. He joined us in the last hour talking about the game to win. I thought he tried to keep it kind of dialed down, PK, and uh, not really tip their hand. Did they have a good day, or did they really figure something out and they're going to be able to hammer the Nuggets going forward? That is the question. What's your confidence level now after that butt-whipping? Jack says, the sky's the limit. Wow, the sky's the limit. I hear that. I start thinking about future playoff series. I'm still thinking about this one. Well, if you have a superstar, you are in the discussion to win NBA titles. And Mitchell is an emerging superstar. Now, you need more than that, obviously, particularly for someone as short as he is. But it puts you in the discussion. And right now, they are in the discussion, certainly to win this series. That's really all that matters, whether they're in the discussion to win it all. You know, I, I wouldn't think so this year without Bogey. Uh, but uh, for right now, I mean, they certainly got an, as good a chance as Denver. Right, right now, to me, it's even. I don't know that I favor anybody. I realize Conley's coming back, but that situation has been so fragile this year that I don't know what to make of it. Is that good or bad? I have to believe it's going to be good. It's going to give you another body. I mean, Joe referenced uh, being tired, almost being too tired to trash talk, and I wondered about that because you played big minutes, obviously, in game one, and you still played uh, good minutes. You know, they weren't extended minutes, particularly in the fourth quarter, and that's nice that it was a little bit of garbage time there. Usually the way that works is the losing team empties the bench, and then the the winning team at the very next opportunity empty, empties the bench, and that's what we saw. So they weren't as hard a minutes as they were uh, on, what would that be, Monday? So that's a good sign. But sure, I like their chances, but I also like Denver's chances. That's, that's, that's the best for me as a consumer. Go Go ahead and play and see what happens. But... You know, Donovan is playing so freaking well <laughs> that I see no reason why they lose. I was talking about the uh, golf, the backing it up analogy. You know, you see a pro shoot a 62 or 63, and you're like, eh, they're probably going to shoot 70 tomorrow because you're not just you're not going to shoot one 63 and go out there and shoot another 63. And he wasn't going to go for 57 points again, but 30 points on 10 of 14 shooting kind of has to turn your head a little bit. I mean, 10 of 14 that is out that is outrageously good. Yes, in that third quarter, you know, find your way. Let other guys get going. Mm-hmm. It's a per- perfect recipe. You let other guys get going in the first half, and you build, I think they had a 13-point lead at halftime, and you've only scored six points. All right, now, 13 points 
is a nice lead, but it certainly isn't anything that you can just bank on for sure, and it's not insurmountable to overcome when you still have two quarters of basketball with these guys in the uh, proficiency of three-point shooting that Murray has and obviously Porter is showing here, and even Jokic can hit those threes. I mean, that 13-point lead can be whittled literally in two minutes. And so put the hammer down in the third quarter, and he comes out with 21 friggin' points in the third quarter <laughs> to make it so the fourth quarter is basically, okay, you've got about three or four minutes here to make a run, and if you don't make a run, there's just not a left, not a left, not enough time left with the score and the deficit being what it was and you heard Joe reference that how Malone normally doesn't play the starters at the start of the fourth but he did in this case to try to give them one more opportunity to make a run and so five minutes in the fourth quarter you haven't made a run that game is over so that was what that third quarter was about Mitchell putting the foot on the throat type of thing and those cliches he really really did that it's just absolutely awesome I mean you look at right now in the NBA particularly at the positions they play at least backcourt as opposed to I realize it's positionless and I agree with you to a large like 95 percent extent uh but as far as just backcourt players there's nobody playing better in this league not named Lillard right now. <laughs> not named Lillard. Right. All right, your level of, uh, you can call us 855-340-ZONE. Your level of optimism now, your level of confidence. You can use the app, use the open mic, send us your uh, send us your audio. Uh, we got people uh, tweeting at us. Uh, we got everyone, <laughs> we, got, we got people on Facebook coming. Uh... How about this one? Uh, the life of uh, A-Dub says, it ain't nothing personal. This clip has me, and he's got laughing till he's crying, laughing, head sideways, tilted emojis. Uh, Donovan wasn't just scoring. He was talking to the Nuggets. And you just wonder, I've heard NBA people say that, um, and I think, it, I think it probably goes back to Jerry West uh, in the Magic Bird era, but it's been repeated every decade going forward that when the best player on one team knows he's better than the best player on the other team, it's usually over. The rest of the team can't really compensate for that. And I see, when I see Donovan with that level of confidence, um, I was more prone to say coming out of Game 2, the Jazz have figured something out, but you can't get, get the cart too far in front of the horse here because you have to come back and see, okay, well, how do the Nuggets counter, right? The Jazz definitely figured something out, but is there a counter to that answer? When you hear somebody talking like that, I'm thinking he thinks there isn't. Now, he may be wrong, but when you're talking like that, he thinks there isn't a counter. You know, Joe got quieter and admitted, right? He said he saw in the picture, and actually he was talking about the exact play I'd seen the video of. And I think when you're Joe and you know you're a good player, but you don't think you're the best player on the, on the court, well, you don't say something to wake him up. You've, you're burying him. you got to make sure you can't lose your focus and screw that up. Keep doing what you're doing and finish the game, basically, is what Joe was saying. But when, you're the, when you think you're the best player in the gym or you know you're the best player in the gym, you can talk. And so I guess the question is, is Donovan right? Uh, I don't see any reason why he isn't right. And as long as he believes it, it doesn't matter if he's right or wrong. He is right. (laughs) Self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Yes, yes. You have to have that. You heard Doncic in that little clip that we played uh, last hour. You know, you don't believe it, then you don't belong here. 
Those are just absolute facts. Every single great player has had that. They've had it in spades. You know, uh, Luka Doncic and the Mavericks are not going to beat Kawhi and the Clippers thinking, uh, you know, we're pretty good. We might be okay. That, that's not going to take Kawhi and the Clippers down. No. you got to have the attitude, yeah, we're better and I know it. Now, you may have that attitude and still get beat, but if you don't have that attitude, Kawhi's beating you. Even, well, if, rea- even if Paul yeah. George has a terrible game shooting the ball, and he shot it really poorly. Was he 4-14, I think, something like that? Two for 10 from three? Playoff yeah. P is back. Yikes. Yeah, playoff P. I mean, he's got his own, uh, I don't know if legacy is the right word, but he's got his own rep that he's got to overcome. Infamy? But, but yeah, maybe so. Uh, and I was hoping for his sake, as far as being a secondary player, that it would be easier. And, and he just had one bad game. Let's not go crazy. Uh, that, that series... Uh, has an opportunity to be won by either team. I still think the Clippers are going to win it. Uh, but, yeah, I think that's that's exactly what you have. And the truth of the matter is you have to have it in, even in defeat because you're going to lose more than you win. Every single, the greatest, maybe with the exception of Bill Russell, uh, they lost more than they won. Even Jordan was yeah. in the league way more than six years. Lost more than you won. That's just a fact. It's like baseball in that regard. You're going to fail more than you succeed. But your failures aren't going to define you. Your successes are going to define you. And that's that's the attitude you must have. And it's clear to me Mitchell has it. Mitchell absolutely has it right now. This Watching him blossom is just incredible. I wrote about it. We'll post it here in a little bit today, uh, this morning. And you're, you're watching him just, just be a star. And it's so cool. And for those of you who are uh, turned off by his political stuff, I feel bad for you, man, because you're missing a magnificent run by this kid. And, and it's easy for me to separate it because I don't really care what Donovan thinks socially, to be honest. He can think whatever he wants as long as he's not harming anybody, and I don't think he's doing that. So he's free. This is what this country's about. He's free to think whatever he wants, whether I agree with him or disagree with him. It doesn't matter to me. But as far as him balling, this he's at the top of his game, and I'm I'm watching a star. You and you're watching. We we knew this when we, when we when we see guys. You know, watching Kobe blossom, watching Tiger blossom. I don't know that he's going to get to those levels, but his level is going to be very very high. And watching it blossom right before you, when you know it's coming, is something that I feel is a lot of fun to watch, and I'm enthralled by it. Tyler posts Jazz in five, of course. The reason okay. that should or shouldn't happen, next. Stay with us. DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Ow! Basketball is back. The Zone Sports Network is keeping you up on all the latest news with the Utah Jazz in the NBA. This is a back-to-basketball update. Oh, he never looked at the net! Presented by Zions Bank. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Utah Jazz, even the series with the Nuggets, blow Denver out 124 to 105. The fourth quarter was garbage time. Donovan Mitchell leading the way with 30 points on 10 of 14 shooting. Jordan Clarkson came off the bench to score 26. Game three tomorrow at 2 o'clock. Pre-game on the zone starts at 1 o'clock. Nuggets forward Will Barton left the bubble to get a second opinion on his ailing right knee. It's just not getting any better. He has not played since the season resumed. Dallas evens their series with the LA Clippers. 127-114. The Mavs. Mavericks win. Series tied at a game apiece. Raptors and Celtics both up 2-0 after wins over the Nets and Sixers. 
Thunder and Rockets today at 1.30. Blazers and Lakers tonight at 7. All the games today are on ESPN. Back to Basketball Update is brought to you by Zines Bank on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. For a bank that understands your business, Zines Bank is for you. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. My uh, son's got a friend who is going out of town, and she asked him to cat sit for her. And so we have a cat coming over to our house. I think Scotty's going to be Dr. Evil here in about a day's time. Pet didn't be like, I love you, Mr. Bigglesworth. What was the name of your cat that you had for a while? I don't want to talk about him because I had him only for a short time. And and you you tweeted out a picture of how proud you were and you got mocked. I did everything I could to to save that little cat. He had some mental issues. (laughs) I had to get him on Pro's Cat. (laughs) Boom. Uh, really? I might We're going to just let that go. That might be the worst joke you've ever told. <laughs> Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Craig Bullerjack, TV voice of the Utah Jazz. Bowler, good morning. Hey, DJ, PK. How are you? Good. We're good. We're asking the same question five different ways here. What's your level of confidence in the Jazz after not just the winning game two, but the blowout? You know, if they played another close game and it broke in their way, you'd say, well, they played a bunch of close games. It feels like, you know, every team ought to pull out, you know, pull out a close game at some point. But they just, from the late second quarter on, it was a 22-6 to run in the half. And then all through the third quarter, they just completely dominated. So we got people here saying it's going to be 4-1. Have the Jazz really figured something out? What do you think? I mean, do they really have the upper hand? Or, hey, it's just 1-1, and who knows what's going to happen in Game 3? Uh, you know, I really thought from the very beginning, guys, this was just going to be a very good series. And so far, it's kind of held true. I mean, entertaining yesterday, and yeah, dominant. That third quarter, too, was about as good as it gets when you, you put 43 on the board after you follow up kind of with a 34-point second quarter. So... You know, I still think it's going to go six or seven games. I really do. I don't see why it shouldn't after what we saw with an overtime loss. We had a double overtime ball game the week before. And now the Jazz, I would say, played as bad as perfect of basketball, team basketball that I've seen in a while. Uh, The 32 assists, they hit the threes. Uh, Their mid-range game was there as well. Donovan uh, was, again, remarkable after having – what, six points at halftime, and he drops 24 in the second. Uh, Very efficient. He was big from the three-point line, too. And the assists are probably what impresses me the most. uh, most. I mean, he had eight. Ingles had six. uh, Royce O'Neal had eight assists. And I just thought the team seemed to be on track, shared the ball, and they didn't seem to panic one bit after losing, uh, you know, uh, in overtime in game one. So, Hey, I don't. I don't think this is a four a four one series Denver advantage. No way. I don't. I really don't. I agree with everything you said there. Something that I would add and get your thought on it is that obviously when it comes to bench production, Clarkson is going to lead the way, and certainly he did that with twenty six, and he was great and all that stuff. Provides incredible energy. I don't know how his head doesn't fly off sometimes the way he goes <laughs> at full speed and makes all those moves and cuts and everything. But I thought some other guys 
in their own way, not major, but they don't need to make major contributions for the Jazz to be successful. Uh, Moutier and Bradley and Yang, and now with uh, with Morgan, I was going to say Dewan Howard, but Morgan with Conley, assuming Conley comes back, starts, you know you can get some stuff out of Morgan. So I thought the bench played a lot better too. Yeah, you know, I still think they can play better too, PK. I still think George Niang could be another factor. I mean, he took 10 shots, made three, and I'm still waiting for a little bit of a more consistent three-point shooter. But I'm with you. Clarkson is, I mean, it's nonstop watching him play. It's an amazing thing to see him run the ball through traffic uh, and then still get a shot away, pass out, get it back, and it's, yeah, he's he's special. Um, he's he's a different tempo player. The Jazz have I don't know if they've ever had someone of that of that magnitude that can uh, throw a defense off balance with just constant ball movement. And his mid range game, you know, he can pull the trigger from twelve fifteen feet, and he's pretty good at it too. His, so is Moutier with his strength, being a two hundred pounder. But if the bench does play even better, and then you throw in the equation of PK if. if if Conley is truly back tomorrow uh, afternoon for the for game three, how does that how does that work? How does that you know kind of blend in? Um, you know, Jawan Morgan's done a nice job, but you still get a bonafide score, assist man, three point guy. Um, hasn't been gone that long, so I don't believe his you know his wind or his basketball IQ has dropped any right. So. Interesting to see how Quinn will use that. It only makes a team deeper, right, with guard play. And uh, still unofficial, but we'll wait and see if Conley's back as well. Craig Bullerjack joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, Joe talked a little bit about uh, being tired in reference. He was half joking, but, you know, most jokes also have a bunch of, uh, you know, have some truth to them too. And he obviously played enormous minutes, I think 42 in that overtime game. How much do they need Conley back just to spread the minutes around? I mean, yes, they need what Conley can bring into their ball handler and the shooting, but is fatigue about to be a real issue if they don't have him? Well, you know, I saw some fatigue from Jokic last night. Um and I think it's a good point, too, DJ. I mean, I don't remember a playoff series ever that you go every other day. I mean, they spread this stuff around pretty good. Um, and that's not going to be the case uh, in round one. And you're right about minutes for Joe. I'm looking at the box score again. Yeah, Rudy went 34. Yeah, you had Gobert, Ingles, and Mitchell all play 34. Uh, 35 uh, for Royce O'Neal. And Jordan Clarkson went 29. So, I think again, you're right. I mean, just another body uh, can can take up, you know, more minutes. Obviously, and the rotations will change a little bit for Quinn. But this is nothing new. The Jazz played with and without Mike Conley a lot during the first reg- the first regular season, right before the bubble, and then Mike came on strong and was playing probably probably his best basketball. Uh, before the uh, the COVID you know shutdown in March, so those 17 games he played prior to, you know he was around 16 a game and you know 40 plus percent from downtown. So uh, I think he's a more confident player, and I think he'll jump back in and, and should be a uh, I think a, a bonus. And when it comes to minutes and rotation and also options for Quinn Snyder to to run his offense. As you look at the West with no home court for anybody, obviously, man, it's crazy. One is uh, lost to eight, two to seven, three to six. I mean, you got to look at it and say, 
This might be the wildest playoff we've ever had in that just about any team can win, and you really can't be surprised. You know, I think it tells you, uh, PK, what home court and what the fans actually do. I mean, I, I miss the energy. We all miss it, right? Because it is part of what the playoff scene is all about. And, um, you know, the players, I think, probably have hit a, you know, will hit a wall sometime during their their stay in the bubble during the playoffs, knowing that there's really no, nobody there. And what you just said, DJ, about about minutes, sometimes you can overcome minutes by the energy the fans, you know, hand you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not going to happen because nobody's going to come walking in that door and filling up any arena. You know, they're all virtual, right? There's no sound. Uh, there's no energy that comes from that, except if you want to look up and watch somebody clap their hands. But I think that's going to be the biggest challenge throughout uh, the rest of this month, September, and into October. Those final two teams that stand uh, to win a championship, you know, they're going to have to battle through fatigue. I think they're going to have to find their own energy. And, you know, I'll, like I've said, I'll applaud the final two. The winner of this title, I think, will be special just because, PK, of what you said. Uh, it's it's totally different. Um, and I, I I don't know how you get through it on the mental end of it. This this is a mental draining challenge to be in the bubble this long. They've been in there since July, and they're not coming out until until October, the final two teams standing. So they're going to have to find their own energy somehow, some way. You know, Locke has wondered if a team gets down, you know, 2-0-3-1, the whole, you know, you're coming home and that energy and you fight back. And he thought there could be some short series because but that's not really going to get tested if teams just split the first two and then split the next two. That theory isn't even going to get put to the test. Yeah, I thought if the Jazz had lost yesterday, uh, this could be a short series. Uh, even though with Conley coming back, you start to think, I think naturally, hey, we're done. Uh, we're, you know, it's going to be a ro- long road back and, What's the old adage? One, two, three, Cancun. <laughs> That's what everybody talks about in the league. You know, they're off to Cancun, Mexico uh, for the break. But I don't know. It's. It. I think everything here is out the window. What we've always known. This is all new. And I think even the players maybe be taking this whole concept in a different way. To PK, I. 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 You know, I think the energy, the mental fatigue is going to play a factor. I wouldn't be surprised to see one or two upsets right in, in round one. How the Lakers fare, you know, after Damian Lillard, you know, did his thing with McCullum in in Game One. I mean, that's a that's going to be interesting. And uh, obviously, the Bucks got a taste too uh, in Round One. So you got to be prepared. I think mentally, you know, every night, and that's where you may find a team weaken and another team take advantage of that. Surprised at all at Donovan Mitchell because it seems like man, he's really stepped it up. Man. I, you know, I know he's good. We all know he is. But what he's doing is really fascinating in the sense of uh, confidence, attack, finishing, picking his time, PK, also getting – you know, the big – every everyone I talk to in the national media, I say, well, yeah, you know, he's a he's a fine young player. And he's a, he's a great – he's going to be a star. But then you get into superstar discussion, right? And that's, that discussion starts to go, well, can he get his other teammates involved? And can he, you know, hit the shot when it counts? And, you know, so far, I mean, in these playoffs, he's taken his game to that level, right? I don't think anybody would argue that. The assists are impressive. The rebounding is impressive. His ability to get to the free throw line is impressive. I mean, 
his choice of shots, driving, uh, pull-up jumpers and threes, impressive. Um, I think what we thought he would be, he's becoming. And I don't. Uh, I know this is just a taste of the first round, but this is a good team, Denver, by the way. And he's actually destroyed Torrey Craig, who was so highly regarded as the Donovan Mitchell stopper. And that has not been the case so far. And Donovan's been on his own mission from my, from my chair. And it's been fun to watch. You know, the fan base always wants to see the, the young guy, the next big thing. You know, how good can he get? What is the ceiling? And we've been through this storyline so many times. But you've been through the storyline more than PK and I because you got here. I'm not exactly sure when you got here, Bowler. <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> well, we got here in the early 90s, 92 and 93. But I know you were here for stuff in the 80s. And so not so much from the basketball because the rules have changed. The guys play different positions and all that stuff. But, but I mean, from the perspective of just kind of that, that breathtaking career arc, like, can he get better? Can he get better than this? How much better can he still get? How many players have done this? Because I think... He's blown past what Boozer and uh, D. Will, and you know there was a time when Karolinka was the hyped guy. And but if you go back to like Stockton and Malone, was the fan base as big? Did it have the same impact? I mean, it's just like you can't believe he's going to get better again, and he does. Yeah, I think Carl Malone would fit that category, and so because he was he wasn't as big, you know, he built his body, and so everybody every summer was always like, I don't know what Carl's going to come back like, but he always proved he could improve. He was powerful. Then he took his jump shot outside, and he, he improved at the free throw line, and he's and now he's the second time, second all time leading scorer in the NBA, NBA in the NBA behind Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Stockton was another guy intriguing. Because I got here in 85 when Carl did. Stockton was already here. But, you know, Sloan didn't play Stockton. And that's what everybody – and Ricky Green had a lot of uh, fanfare to his game. Fastest fastest of them all is Hot Rod labeled him. And uh, it took Stockton three years to really get into the starting uh, role with the Jazz. And then he just took off. And I think a lot of people doubted him for a while. That could he stand up to the rigors of the NBA? Was he strong enough, tough enough? Well, we know the answer to that. Uh, I think D. Will was another guy, as you mentioned, that people thought because they bypassed Chris Paul, remember, to get a bigger, stronger physical guard in Darren Williams. Uh, but that didn't work out. But yet he still had his best years, don't forget, with the Utah Jazz. Injuries, started. the ankles started to go about the time he left, and his best years were played with the Jazz. But he was, a, I thought, a talented guard, man. Um, he could do a lot of things with the basketball, and he was strong and a driver, and he could finish as well. But no, I don't. I think Donovan's by himself in, in this category, maybe Malone-esque in a lot of ways. But we're watching his body grow, his confidence grow, and uh, he's only 23, and he's still doing some marvelous things. It's tough, though. Can he handle the mental challenge, PK and DJ, uh, being compared to let's say D Wade? Everybody says in that third year, this is where you make your big jump. And if you're going to be a superstar in this league, year three is where you begin the process. And you know what? Playoffs is also where great players begin to shine and make their name. And so far, that's what I'm looking at right now. I personally think it is for Rudy because he knows Jokic is all that. He won't talk about it, as you know, PK. But, man, it's a personal thing. There's no doubt. They both have been compared together. 
Uh, one is an offensive and passing threat. Obviously can rebound too. Jokic is a second-round pick. Rudy a late first-rounder. Yeah, I, I really do. Rudy refuses to talk about the personal side of it with Jokic, but I think they both look at it that way. Both have tried to establish themselves in this league, which they have. Uh, they look at Jokic as one of the top three offensive centers, right? Gobert is trying to gain that respect. We know what he can do defensively, but Rudy still wants to try to be known more than just a shot blocker, a rim protector. And I think, you know, this is an opportunity for him to go up against a guy that really does challenge him. And the same for Jokic. Uh, Rudy challenges him. So, uh, again, I think uh, this was a marquee matchup. And so far, it's been pretty entertaining. Well, Bowler, as always, we appreciate it. We'll see what twists and turns this series takes, or if it's just straight to the finish line and four-one. Who knows? I, I think it's twists and turns. I really do. And now you got another story with Conley's return and the grand re-entrance of him coming into the bubble after leaving to, to celebrate the, the birth of his son Elijah. So I think the twists and turns will continue throughout. I'd be stunned if they don't, and I'm looking forward to Game Three. Thanks for the time, Bowler. We appreciate it. See you too. Thanks. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. It's been a long four months. Welcome back. Oh, Donovan, don't do me like that. But finally, the NBA is back. Back up and hammer. That is filthy, Rudy. Catch every second of every moment of Utah Jazz basketball. As the Jazz resume play from the bubble in Orlando, your exclusive home of the Utah Jazz is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's hit pause on the NBA playoffs and the Jazz and the Nuggets for just one second. Yak is screaming college football news at me as we come back from break, PK. That's what I hear, literally. (laughs) Yak, what have you got? Uh, Brett McMurphy, we've had him on the show before. He's one of the foremost insiders on college football, saying that UT San Antonio has added a non-conference game at BYU that will be on October 10th at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Well, Texas State was supposed to be Game 6. Well, okay, this could be Game 7, I guess. This would be Game 6. Texas State will have to be Game 7. Sure. All right, we can argue about that later. Texas State, though, is still in the rumor mill category. Yeah, the weekend before that is what the original thought was, is October 3rd that weekend is when All Texas right. State would line up. All right, a couple games out there. Brett McMurphy reporting one. The other one's still in the rumor mill stage, but uh, we'll hear soon That one enough. came from the Austin American Statesman yesterday about the Texas State deal. All right, there it is. All right, game six, is in, game six and seven for BYU as Tom Holman keeps, uh, keeps trying to rebuild the schedule. Adding games. Scheduled game three for the Utah Jazz and the Denver Nuggets tomorrow at 2 o'clock. PK... Yeah, I think I'm going to go to that one. <laughs> That'd be great. It really would be, seriously. I'm clean. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you got you to pass multiple tests, and then you got to pay a big chunk of change. Uh, well, and then you're there for a while. I haven't passed any tests because I haven't taken any tests. Donovan Mitchell, you feel confident about another 30-point game for him? Or oh, just sure, do yeah. whatever needs to be done. He's here to. Well, that that's both. I mean, thirty is what needs to be done, and 
in addition, other stuff needs to be done. If 57 doesn't need to be done. I mean, I was laughing at the guys. I heard multiple people. Oh, he would much rather take 30 with a win than 57 and lost. Yeah, who wouldn't? <laughs> of course, every single especially, player in the history of the game would. Especially 30 that looks like that. That was yeah. 30 on 10 of 14 it's shooting. He didn't take 35 man. shots to get 30 points. Yeah. Uh, I, just, I think he's arrived. I felt I felt it two weeks ago. Okay, but we thought he arrived at twenty points a game. We thought this is like he's arrived on another step. It's like you're yes. it's like you're climbing some skyscraper but and you hit a landing. Twenty isn't superstar status. No, it's not. Thirty is and yeah. other things that go with thirty. And he's arrived leadership. I've been hammering that leadership. I, I told you, I thought that if you're a Jazz fan, having him speak out on social issues is actually good for his game because it's exhibiting leadership. It's a different area of leadership, and it's not even relatively close to basketball, but it's still about leadership. If you're going to be a leader over here, well, you're probably going to be a leader over there, too. And that's what we've seen. That's why I thought him speaking out, uh, whether you agreed with the message or not, from the basketball perspective, it was great news because it just seems that he's comfortable assuming the mantle of leadership and guys this is where we're going and i'm gonna get you there so let's follow along together i'll lead the way but we got to do it together even jordan and magic and all and bird and everybody had to do it together to an extent you know you need a leader but you also need guys that are willing to be right there with you side by side and occasionally a step behind you and all that stuff i don't want to get too overblown here and dramatic but that's what he's been doing i i said this is stuff i said 2 weeks ago and we're seeing it he's 2 for 2 as far as i'm concerned and i see no reason why he's not 3 for 3 every game is not going to be 6 for 7 from 3 and 10 of 14 which for 30 points is just awesome off the charts efficiency but there's other ways. I mean, look at it, man. He was, scoring-wise, he was completely pedestrian in the first half, and they had a 13-point lead. He and all of us and every single player who's ever played will take that every time if you're truly about winning. And that's what it's about. And, and Quinn Snyder talking about how, you know, it, it, uh, the guys, the team, that trumps any individual stuff. So it's got to be both. And he gave you, that might have been his best game ever, really, when you think about it, all things considered. It literally might have been his best game as a professional with the stakes being high and you're, you're scoring, but you're not scoring outrageously. You're scoring within the flow of the offense. You really only had a couple of, wow, that was incredible moments. Boy, I'd like to be a fly on the wall in the coach's room to know what they really thought about the third quarter. If he was scoring within the flow of the offense, or he literally said, I'm sticking this right in your eye. There's nothing you can do about it. Because what we're kind of trying to hedge around here without saying is, did they just beat the Nuggets, or did they figure them out and break them? And I don't think I'll be comfortable saying that they broke the Nuggets, because I'm not as high on the Nuggets as you are, but I'm still pretty high on the Nuggets. You know, they finished second and third for a reason. But the way he beat them up for a second straight game and the way he talked, and let's be honest, the way he taunted them. I mean, when you hear it, like, it's nothing personal. It's like, you're helpless. I'm humiliating you. But I like you. It's not personal. I'm just beating the crap out of you because I'm that much better than you. I think he is that much better, but let's not forget. Well, if forget, he's that much losing, better, then they don't have Harrison and uh, right. I, uh, Barton. Right. 100% on that, but I don't think they're getting either one of those guys back. 
No, no, that's the reality of it. Right. But, I mean, the stats on Harris guarding him, and now he's not there, and that's contributing to it. So I'm not just going to downgrade the Nuggets because they've got some issues too. But nevertheless, so what? But you know, upgrading, old, uh, but upgrading Mitchell has the same impact as downgrading the Nuggets. Just saying, is there now a gap? And it's hard to say that when the Jazz has just lost to him four times in a row. So what? One game fixed everything. But we do see these things. If I, I'm thinking this series is going to end up looking like the Oklahoma series two years ago. And against Oklahoma City two years ago, you didn't know what was going on early on. And then at some point as the series went along in games two, three, and four, I think we all looked at it and were like, wait, they've, they figured this out. They've figured this out. This isn't, there isn't going to be an ebb and flow. It's not going to be like watching the tide go in and out or whatever. It's like they know what they're doing here. And even when they lost in Game 5, Donovan's at the fan, like, well, we're not, have fun, we're not coming back, you know, because we figured you out, you know. Yeah, that was more bravado at that point. You don't think it was real confidence? Because he, he turned out to be right. They didn't go back. They won Game well, 6, they won the series. But he said it to the fans. He didn't yeah. say it to the players. Yeah, now he's saying it to the players. Yeah, so... I in think a building with no fans, he's right. not talking to some guy in the front row who went off on him, which he's yeah, done before. Yeah, some guy's giving him crap. Right, but so now he's he literally looking at the other team. Yeah, I, I, he's figured that out. I don't know that they've figured it out because I think this thing can go either way. So I don't, I can't say because if you say they figured it out, essentially you're saying that they're going to win. I don't know that they're going to win the series. I can't say that, but I can say he's figured it out. What he needs to do to be a star, those are facts. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, Joe Ingalls joined us very early this morning. We know you, the 9 o'clock listener, can't necessarily or don't want to necessarily. They're used to hearing him at 9. They're used to hearing him at 9. So we're going to replay Joe. He's coming up next. Stay with us. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.